0: hi there guys this is dave from comics in motion and you're listening to episode 81 which is going to be a little bit different from our regular episodes As you may be aware, Chris and I have set up a parallel project to this podcast, and it's called The VHS Strikes Back. And this is going to focus on those older movies from the days of the golden age of VHS home video. We've released three episodes so far, which covers Back to the Future, Rocky 3, and the sci-fi B-movie, The Eliminators. We're also going to cover things like Ghostbusters, Aliens, Nightmare on Elm Street, all of those great, great franchises and movies from that time. Now this is an explicit podcast as a heads up so it's just something to be aware of and this week we're going to cover Conan the Barbarian so we thought it'd be a good idea to treat as a crossover episode. Conan was originally a pulp character created by Robert E. Howard and he first appeared back in Weird Tales in 1932 but he first appeared in comics in 1970 with Marvel and apart from a brief stint with Dark Horse he's generally stayed published there. And as I alluded to in the show, the 70s Conan Marvel comics were used to introduce Arnold Schwarzenegger to the character in those early days to cast him. So, without further ado, here's the VHS Strikes Back reviewing the 1982 Conan the Barbarian.
1: My calculations are correct. When this
2: baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit.
1: Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr Cowboy? yippee ki motherfucker. It's showtime.
2: Hi, welcome everyone to another episode of VHS Strikes Back. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners
0: out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and bad movies of yesteryear. And today we've got a very special guest with us. We've got Brett Scott from the Podshit Nerdcast. Welcome to the show, Brett.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm a big fan of this podcast VHS strikes back and I actually found you guys through comics in motion and I've been talking to Dave for months so I've just been waiting to make this happen I, I'm thrilled to be here.
0: No it's brilliant and I'm sure we'll have you on again cuz we seem to be into a lot of the the same stuff but you and Chris almost seem to be uh kindred spirits there. You seem to be into a lot of the all all the same movies and everything and uh so so this is the first time you guys have actually spoke so I, I guess you we'll see how this relationship flowers.
3: <laughs>
2: nice to meet you, Brett, as well. And I'm really excited because Dave, obviously, has been mentioning you quite a lot to me. So I think our just interests in life in general are very, very similar. So I'm really looking forward to this sort of review and getting to meet
3: you properly as well yeah we'll probably end up cutting dave out of the entire relationship eventually but
0: <laughs> i think so i i'm like the matchmaker i'm like Varys from uh from game of thrones or uh, just hopefully not burned in fire <laughs> so i mean so brett why don't you tell us a little bit about the pod shit nerdcast
3: uh well it's basically a friend of mine and i we we were friends since we were kids and then uh we kind of lost touch for about 20 years. And then sometime a couple of years ago, we got back in touch and started actually hanging out again. And it was, it was really cool because we're both still into the same nerdy stuff, you know, comic books, movies, um, just all the pop culture stuff that, that people are into, I guess. And, uh, it was really weird because we reconnected and started hanging out again for about a year. And then all of a sudden he moved away to a different state. And so basically what we've been doing thereafter was just communicating back and forth online. I was like, man, we need a way to actually hang out. We need to be able to hang out with one another. So I pressured him for months. He's not the outgoing type. He doesn't like to like <laughs> put himself out there. And uh, eventually I warmed down and I convinced him to do a podcast with me. And that's basically what we do there is it's just us hanging out for an hour, hour and a half. Talking about movies, pop culture, just nerd shit in general.
0: That's cool. It's not too dissimilar to me and you, I guess, Chris, is it? <laughs> you know, we've All probably right. not seen each other for over ten years
2: now. Yeah, same thing. Brett, we were in band together. They've moved up from where I live in Manchester in the UK and, and he's down sort of near London, Bedford way. And we just reconnected for one of my podcasts. So we've always been friends on Facebook. And then it just was like, we need to do a podcast together or something. And this is where this has come from. So nearly two years later, we're we're rocking. Yeah, podcasts. now you have three. We have more than that. And the rest. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got loads, Brett. Honestly, it's ridiculous, but we love it.
0: We just kind of spin spin up little projects, don't we? But I mean, we we talk almost every day. I think me and you, Chris. So it's, yeah. we do occasionally have a little break.
2: Yeah, very rarely. Well, put it this way, Brett. If someone rings me my wife has got no worries that it's another woman, it's always like, that's Dave, <laughs> is it? Like, like,
0: yeah. <laughs> Usually bouncing ideas off each other. Now, Brett, where can everyone get you on the, on the uh, Podshit Nerdcast?
3: Uh, basically, everywhere except iTunes, everywhere except uh, Apple Podcasts. And the only reason for that is they don't allow our name. Uh, they don't allow profanity in the name of the podcast anymore. And we've tried a bunch of different ways around that, but it's. I don't. we don't want to change the name. So uh-huh. we can probably get around it by changing the name, but I think it's a genius name. So we're just going to keep it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough, I think. So that's brilliant. So I mean, I think where I get you is Stitcher. So I know that one definitely works. Now,
3: yeah, Stitcher, uh, Stitcher, Google, basically anywhere except Apple, you should be able to find us.
0: Cool. Now, one of these areas where I think you and Chris will really get on with is obviously the whole bodybuilding, the weightlifting and fitness and both big fans of Arnie. And Chris, you shocked me a few weeks, no, it's probably a few months ago now, wasn't it? That you've never actually watched Conan the Barbarian. I still can't believe it. So you've seen it now, but I can tell you I used to love this as a kid, so it, obviously it came out in 1982. I probably shouldn't have been watching it as a kid, <laughs> but it seems, I, I think growing up in the 80s, people didn't care quite as much about what kids were viewing. That seems to have evolved, and people paying a lot more attention to age ratings now, but I've watched this over and over, and so going back and watching it, it was a great journey, and I just remembered so much from it, but Brett, I mean, what, what's your kind of
3: background with the movie?
0: Is this something you've seen plenty of times as well?
3: Yeah, I, I've seen this a bunch of times. Um, See, as you guys were kids in the '80s, I was a kid in the late '80s, to early '90s, and um, it was still pretty much the same. It was the, the the television was kind of the babysitter a lot of times, and so <laughs> I mean, I, that's just, I think that's how parents were at that time. They're like, uh just you know. I got stuff to do and you end up watching whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see Conan the barbarian until I was probably an adult though. And that was just because of my, my love for Arnold. And I went on this, I was probably around early two thousands. I went on a kick where I wanted to own every film Arnold was ever in. And so I, I, and this was back. It wasn't so easy to come by films. Uh-huh. you could get them online but it wasn't like it is now It was you just you wouldn't just go to amazon and get it so i had to yeah, track down every obscure film arnold was in and uh, along the way the conan the barbarian and conan the destroyer were in there and uh since then i've seen it a ton of times um but this is the first time i think i've watched it with uh i don't know what do you call it um,
0: Just like a critical eye.
3: Yeah, Everything yeah, a exactly. discerning eye. Oh, this is the first time I've watched it and actually tried to critique it, and it was a very different experience for me. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: It's funny that, Brett, because I, uh, by the way, you say you've got every single Ari of fit. Have you got Hercules in New York?
3: Yes. Oh, it's a terrible
2: film. Dave, you've got to see the bit where oh, I've he, seen it. he goes <laughs> up against the Olympic like, discus and, and does the long jump and everything with that little comedy guy with him. It's fucking terrible. It's ridiculous. It's I, it's,
0: ridiculous. I just remember him uh, flexing his chest muscles. and like I'm, I'm sure there's like a bit of a comedy music accompaniment to him just, you know, flexing his chest muscles. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> awful stuff. I mean, I remember seeing Arnie in an episode of I Love Lucy. He's a masseur and he comes in and her, her husband, I can't remember, his name is, is it Ricky. Because obviously in the UK, I Love Lucy was sort of quite an obscure TV show. We used to be on, maybe when I was younger it, it might have been on. But yeah, so I only saw that recently and it's proper like seedy. Lucy must be in the 60s by this time, Lucille Ball. But <laughs> yeah, it has been some crap stuff. But but again, what, what was strange with, with Arnie is this propelled him so much because it's like i think he, he, after this he went straight into production for terminator but yeah he's one of the, the movies that i used to go to the video shop and the vhs shop and and i'd see it all the time so i love arnie terminator everything raw deal you know uh what's it red heat things like that i've seen all of, everything you can think of i've seen them and mm. and it never ever appealed to me ever it's just one of them because i'm not into that this sort of mythical stuff i mean i watch game of thrones and i've seen all of them brett and dave knows this. So I, I, I like it, but I wouldn't say that I'm absolutely blown away with it. Like everyone else, that sort of Gothic dragon world. It's not my thing. It's just not, I can watch it, but I'm just not into it. I just want to see someone getting the head obliterated by an an Uzi or something. It's just like, (laughs) that's why Arnie stuff. Like one of my favorite Arnie ones is the running man. I love
3: that film, you know? So, Oh, that's classic. Um, yeah. But once again, I agree with you. (laughs) Uh, I didn't care about it. Like, I, I don't care. Honestly, I don't care that much about that world. Game of Thrones, you mentioned that. That's a different animal altogether. Like, that's, that, I don't know anyone who has watched Game like, actually given it a shot and been like, eh, not for me. You know, like, everyone who actually watches Game of Thrones, it's, it's enjoyable. But, like, the the whole world of uh, Conan the Barbarian, or, um, trying to think of other stuff in, in that realm, but, like...
0: So- I don't know, you might be a bit young for this one, but uh, have you heard of a movie called Call the Conqueror?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: Yeah, so it's all that kind of sword and sorcery all that Mm -hmm. fantasy sort of stuff and again i it's not one of my very favorite genres but uh yeah i've still watched plenty of those as well and but i can see what you mean it's it, it is a little bit different pumping iron was not a huge movie but that was the thing that got uh you know the producers and whatever you know interested in arnie and it was actually giving him a load of comic books so Marvel were producing these Conan comic books at the time, and they basically just showed it to Arnie. And this was in the mid-70s. And so it took all that time to basically, you know, to the early 80s to get to producing the film. So I, I think from this, though that just propelled him. And I do think this is quite an iconic film for that sword and sorcery kind of genre, because after that you started to see lots of different spin-offs and lots of lower budget, lower quality movies coming out. And uh, so I think, you know, this has got a real cult following and it's also, you know, uh, it, it is an absolutely iconic movie.
1: It was a time, not unlike our own, when brutal danger was a part of life. It was in this time that young Conan was orphaned at the hand of Thulsa Du. And so it became a time for vengeance. Vengeance. But only after his body and his will were shaped by slavery on the wheel of pain could Conan begin his search. First he had to learn the daring of the thief, the cunning of the fugitive, the bravery of the warrior, the warmth of friendship. the passion of love, and the wisdom of one who has suffered, only then would Conan understand that revenge is the answer to the riddle of steel. Conan, the Barbarian, a film by John Milius.
0: After Conan's blacksmith's father teaches him the riddle of steel, the young Conan's village is ransacked by a snake charming Slade tribute band, fronted by, by James L. Jones as Thulsa Doom. They kill Conan's father and wife and take him as a slave. Over time, Conan gets more strong, pushing the wheel of pain and clearly eating a lot of protein, outlives all the other slaves, and is put to work in the fighting pits where he excels and is eventually released to roam the world. Now, Brett, what did you make to this whole opening section? What, what's, what's your first impression just going back to this movie and, and watching it with
3: more of a critical eye? To be honest, uh, the, the opening sequence and all the way up until uh, he's enslaved it's probably one of the better parts of this movie, I think. Like, it's one of my favorite parts when I was rewatching it. And um, I love James Earl Jones when, when he first comes on screen. I think he stands out in this movie. Like, I know it's like Arnold's movie, but James Earl Jones is fantastic in this thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think, you know, you mentioned the Wheel of Pain. That might be one of my favorite time-lapse sequences of all time. Yeah. Like, it's not um, it's not beautifully done, you know, to where it looks like he's really changing over time, but, you know, they worked with what they had in 1982. Um, But I just thought it was a genius way to show him growing into this huge, powerful, you know, barbarian, really. And um, I just always loved that. I was watching this little, little kid push this giant wheel around. And at first, there's like a bunch of other people helping him. And then, like, eventually, it keeps showing him get older and bigger and older and bigger. And then in the end, he's pushing this damn thing by himself. (laughs) <laughs> and he's this gargantuan now it's ridiculous it's ridiculous when I really think about it because I know you, you joked about it in your synopsis there but about him eating a lot of protein like <laughs> yeah I think it's 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 a little unbelievable that by just pushing this thing around he somehow developed the uh, the biceps that he has
0: he gets an all over uh, body workout doesn't
3: he <laughs> <laughs> it, like they should just bring those things back. Like put that on one of those late night things that they try to sell you. You know, the, like the
0: infomercials.
3: Yeah, yeah. All you need is this this one device, this wheel of pain. <laughs>
0: they, can... they might want to rebrand it,
3: possibly from the wheel of pain, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did wonder something though. Like I don't know if anyone else caught it. Was this thing specifically just? Was it just? To punish people or did it actually serve a purpose was it like cranking some water somewhere was it like was it like turning a wind turbine what was it doing
0: I, I don't think they actually explain it do they and i i seem to remember watching conan unchained which is all about how this movie came into production and and i can't recall i i seem to remember that they just thought you know let's just put this thing there but it was never really you know, it's not a mill as such. It's not making grain. It's just because it's in the middle of nowhere, not attached to anything, is it? So right. I, I I, think you're supposed to think, oh, it's, it's there for a purpose, but they never kind of elaborate on what that purpose is.
2: Yeah, I thought it was just possibly just to torture them more than anything. Slavery, slavery was big in this sort of world, isn't it? So that's what I got out of it, but I do agree... Yeah, but-
0: Slaves, you want them to actually do something, don't you? You want them to actually serve a purpose, whereas if you're just going to torture them, just just chop their head off, you know, like old Conan's mum, who I have to say is pretty damn hot. I don't remember that when I was watching it years ago as a kid.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the, the, I must admit, the, the blood on her sword was a bit iffy because it stopped at an absolute perfect line when she was <laughs> pulling the sword yeah. on James Earl Jones. And then, and I, I, I'm, I know, obviously, I do agree, it starts quite well, Brett. It starts, you can see there's a bit of money being put behind it. The budget was quite good on this, but them wigs they wore, oh my word, especially James Earl Jones' wigs. They, I know, <laughs> know they've they put Slade down, I don't know if you know where they are. Brett, but uh, the, the, they're an English band from Birmingham, Noddy Holder's a singer, and, oh my word, the, the haircut is terrible.
0: That's, that's a yeah. good point. Have
2: you ever have you ever heard of Slade, Brett? I have not, no.
0: Carry on talking, Chris, and I'm going to have to find a, a picture of Slade here.
2: Just go back to what you said, Brett, regarding, obviously, I suppose, aesthetically how it looks with Arnie being so big, and, and I know you wouldn't probably know this, but when he was filming for this and getting in training, he'd been retired for five years, had he, from Mr. Olympia. He then decided to do one last run on Mr. Olympia and got on the stage and actually won it. And I know he ended up having to trim down slightly for this film because he got so big because right. there's a film on YouTube. Have you seen it called Total Rebuild? Uh, total Rebuild. No, I haven't watched it. Oh no. no. If, if you get chance, I'll, I'll try and uh, send it to you later. He's. It, Basically, what he does is he gets in shape for this. He's always been in shape, even when he retired, but he gets into sort of bodybuilding shape because he's playing Conan. And yeah. then he decides to go to Mr. Olympia and compete 1981. So he'd not done it for five years. He, he was still massive, but he didn't have the leg development that he had. And they always said that it was an absolute con, his last victory, because he was a guy. Is, called- that, is that a separate
3: yeah. film from The Comeback?
2: No, that's the one, Total Rebuild The okay. Comeback, where, where he, he, he wins it but you've got like Frank Zane on the yeah, stage yeah. And, and they're all kicking off. Tom Platz is there and they're all uh, saying like he shouldn't have won it. His legs were nothing and, and he won it. And yeah, they say controversial it's controversial as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very political. And he got in that much shape. And I remember Arnie saying that he felt so alien on the stage the first time he'd ever done it when he just felt like he was a piece of meat, you know, mm-hmm. really strange. But yeah, so just to segue off, that was one of the reasons as well. He was in such good shape, but he did have to do a lot of cardio as well because he coming too big for the actual role, which is quite interesting. But yeah, I mean, it's Arnie. you get what you pay for, don't you? You know, he looks absolutely fantastic,
3: and, and yeah. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I got so I got a picture that Dave sent me of this <laughs> Slade. Slade, uh, <laughs> yeah, one of them for sure has James Earl Jones' hair.
0: It's, it's <laughs> the guy at the back, isn't it? He's the guitarist. Just awful, awful hair, and, and these guys rock it.
2: you may you may have heard the songs actually Brett if you go on YouTube there will be songs you may have heard of because I've heard them being played in America and I've been over there I'm um, a big
3: fan of uh, I'm a big fan of hair bands I really love 80s hair music uh but I I hadn't I hadn't heard of these guys um I I, that's funny because I had it written down here too like wigs I just wrote it really big wigs mentioned (laughs) so yeah the wigs in this movie were horrendous
2: yeah, they were really bad. I, I like the fact that it's supposed to be like a Neanderthal dragon world, but for some reason they can cut a perfect fringe on these long hairs. It, 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 yeah. It's an interesting, <laughs> an interesting concept. It really was. But, but, yeah, amazing, amazing. I think
0: what jumps out at me as well is, so nowadays everything is CGI, isn't it? And I, I just like having all the practical effects. And I was actually pretty pleasantly surprised at how well i thought it stood up because it's set in these kind of you know alter it's an alternate universe if you like but it's in the medieval times you know that that doesn't really date that much on screen and there was like a few little bits which looked i mean later when we get uh, doom changing into a snake that looks pretty terrible but you know, I, I did like um, so when uh, Doom was kind of hypnotising Conan's mum. There, he's got some blue eye contacts in. You know, it, I, I thought I thought that was really effective, and um, now I was I was loving all this bit, and it actually motors along quite a bit, but. <laughs> One of the things that I remember, I mean, again, around this time they do a lot of overdubbing, don't they? A lot of voice dubbing because the on-set sound recording equipment might, you know, clearly wasn't just up to it. But when Conan's being attacked in the in that first fight, you know, some of the noises from him, it's just, you know, that classic Arnie like,
3: it's just so over the top. But I was loving it throughout the entire film, you have that a lot. Like, what you would just, if you had it on subtitles, it would just, like, in quotes, be like, Arnie sounds.
2: (laughs) Arnie
0: groans.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's only him who can do them, to be fair. But I'm going to have to call out one bit in the film, Brett, and it's it's sort of, towards the start, maybe middle-ish, is when Arnie gets drunk. And I I was watching it, I'm watching the film, obviously, I'm thinking, right, it's two hours long, get your head in the game, Chris, sit down, watch it. So I'm sat there watching it, and when he comes down them steps and just randomly says to some old woman from nowhere, slut! And then he walks down (laughs) the steps and just punches a camel and knocks it out. I was like, what the fuck is going on here?
0: (laughs) Oh, I love the punch in the camel bit. Again, like you say, just classic Arnie. And, and the great thing is because he's got so few lines, you know, he is just that walking special effect. And uh, I just, all of it, I think it's just classic. And I, I do like as well where he's, um, after he's been released and everything, he, he's having some sexy time with the witch and, uh, <laughs> She sort of turns when he's halfway through and he doesn't seem that quick to stop.
3: <laughs> you know what? That was legitimately scary. Like, it was. Know, years ago, but when I was watching it this time, I was like, holy shit, this, <laughs> this is actually terrifying. <laughs> well, again,
0: you, you would think if you were terrified in that position, your first thing would be to leap away yeah, no. but he doesn't he's like right, I'm almost down
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well as Arnie's thing, you know who doesn't like a good a nail scrape down your back you know Darnie's <laughs> obviously thinking he's not really frustrated like, he must have been well Cody must have been thinking oh we're in here we're loving it and then she just turned into a wit and he just threw her straight into the fire it was uh random really really random and a, a
3: strange uh, the uh, the sex scenes in this movie were really awkward like yeah. I, I think i would have had i luckily i watched this alone um but like i thought i'd have had trouble watching this with anyone sitting beside me
0: <laughs> just watching it with your mom or something <laughs> yeah, yeah
3: strange i wouldn't watch that with my wife it's just weird
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it must be awkward uh, as well. I mean, the actress they've got uh, when we when we meet Valeria, Hilly's kind of girlfriend. There, uh, I mean, I th- I'm sure she's about six foot or something. Yeah. So again, you can't have like a I don't know. Do they wheel in stunt? ladies you you can't actually fake any of that it it has to be the main actors and actresses doesn't it so uh yeah there there was a lot of him Arnie he He was getting quite a bit of action there even when he was a gladiator you know he was getting some uh rapey action there
3: yeah they toss him the girl that's that's another one of the things that um i was remembering actually worse than it was because i remember the first time i watched it i was probably a teenager and I, i remember thinking like Damn, like they couldn't put this in a movie today. It's like Yeah. <laughs> but, and that was in 2000. So, yeah, I'm watching it it's like they just toss him this girl and at first it looks like he's like he's protective of her. He's, he covers her up with the the skin there. Yeah. And then goes right into like, all right, let's get down to business. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, sort claps of, almost like claps his hands together, doesn't he? It? It's like, right, here we go then.
3: <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny
2: because you mentioned that and you are right at a time and, and age of these some of these films doesn't do well in certain points but i know i was listening to a podcast i listened to the other day This i listened to one called the fighter and the kid brett i don't know if you heard of it and uh, it, yeah 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 i listen to it every week i listen to it today twice a week and they were talking about like how things have changed towards women in films and he's like i don't know which film it is but it's a clint eastwood film where it starts off he's with the woman he backhands her, punches her, rapes her, and he's the hero. And, and that's like, at the okay. start, that's at the start of the film. That's at yeah. the start of the film. What's Clint Eastwood, Dave, you know, and that's like probably from the 60s or uh, whatever it is, you know, when he was at his height. I don't know if it's a cowboy film or, or what, but he said that was like, oh yeah, he's the hero. He can get away with it. And it's like, wow, you know, you couldn't do that, but you are right. There's some bits in this which are really they wouldn't even be able to, to show them in a the film. I know Game of Thrones gets away with it to a point and a lot of the women in there, it's, it's sex sells, Done it, in, in Game of Thrones. It's just like a rampant orgy at times. But it's not done completely in a thrashing way. I think Daenerys in the yeah. first series maybe, but it didn't go as bad as it
3: was to start with. I, I feel like they did that. So They slapped so many women around in the seventies and eighties, like it's ridiculous. It was like when you <laughs> made a movie that had a man and a woman in it. That woman was getting smacked around at some point in the film. Yeah. Okay. yeah I think, true. uh, have you, have you ever seen a uh, urban cowboy? No. Ah, oh, okay. Well, that's a, it, it's a classic and you guys should probably review it on this urban cowboy with, um, John Travolta. All right, now. I love to watch
2: that.
3: Yeah, I love to watch oh it. Oh my god, yeah, it's a it's a classic. I mean, like, it's a well known film, and and I won't give away too much, but I will say that she gets the hell beat out of her by yeah. people in the film, and it's like, it, but she's still in love with him. It's just really, really uh, disturbing. Just,
0: yeah, it sounds it. Now, what did you guys make to the Tower of Serpents? So they go and they want to steal a bunch of jewels, get to one of Doom's towers there, and they, they end up encountering this giant snake. Now, I'm particularly interested, Chris, because you're watching this for the first time. It's 2019. I'm interested what you make to this whole sequence.
2: It feels a bit like watching when you see Jaws. Now, as a kid, I was absolutely petrified of going in you know, the sea, Jaws, anywhere where there was that sort of deep void of water. Jaws did a great job of it. When you watch it now, it's just simply a rubber prosthetic shark. (laughs) It it was so clever the way they didn't really feature the the shark a lot, other than the the actual fin and, you know, they used proper still shots of of proper sharks. With this, it was just terrible. And I think what what I struggle with with the film is the choreographed fight scenes, which I know that Arnie and and the, various other uh, sort of henchmen and, and gods who were in it had to go through a proper regime of martial arts training and, and sword fighting. But you can literally see where someone's going to swing their arm to the right. And Arnold duck well before these loads of different bits. I mean, the, the snake thing's okay. But, but like the blood and that, it just looks really poor. It just looks like they've got them packs, where they're just stabbing them packs and stuff. And, and I really struggled with a lot of the choreography and the fights in this. I, I really thought it was quite poor. I, I actually thought his sword work, not, not so much when
0: he's fighting against people, but when he's just like doing his forms and whatever, just doing a bit of practicing on his own. I, I was pretty impressed with his sword work.
2: No, no, no. I've, I've, look, it's, it's iconic, isn't it? That bit where you've got the massive army, twenty-two inch biceps, just doing that scene where his hair's swept back, which is obviously towards the end of the film, and he's, he's just there, proper giving it the old ninja style. Um, but it's the actual fight scenes I had so many problems with. It was just terrible. Some of the some of the bits and that I was like, oh, this is awful.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you reckon to the giant snake, Brett?
3: That, yeah, that, that that whole scene, that whole. Uh, What'd you call it? They stormed the castle.
0: The the tower of serpents.
3: There you go. Um, yeah. It's like you said, it looked really, it, it was clearly a lot of rubber, <laughs> clearly a lot of effects. Uh, not so good ones. Uh, I agree with Chris about the, the, the fight scenes that, that might've been one of the biggest drawbacks of this movie is that uh, as Dave said, his little kata by himself with his sword. That's amazing. That's awesome. It's like, like Oh Yeah. Uh, uh But, but when it comes down to like one-on-one fights with people or fighting a group of people, clearly it's choreographed and it looks it, it looks like they have planned out every single move of the fight. It's just, I don't know. It, it didn't, it didn't really work for me. No, it it it, it look.
2: I, I'm sure if I'd watched it years ago, I'd be, probably be more invested in it. And and you can forgive when you go back and watch some of this stuff, Brett and Dave. It's like you, you'll go back and watch it, and you can forgive a lot of things because it, the films meant so much to you. But because I've never seen it, and I've avoided watching it because I sort mm. of knew what I was getting, and I wouldn't be invested in it. I, 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 it's a shame that I'm watching it at 40 years old. If I'd watched it when I was like. 1982 would have been four, so maybe mid-80s, maybe late 80s. Then I may have been invested in it. Maybe 10, 11-year-old Chris might have been into it. But watching it now, it's a real struggle. And and I'm mainly watching it because Arnie, because he's one of my all-time heroes. So it's like I'm watching it for him and seeing him learning as an actor on set, really, because he didn't have a lot of experience other than the odd TV stuff. And Pumping Iron was originally supposed, as you probably know this, but when he did Pumping Iron, yeah, he's playing a character. The stuff he says about his dad in that and everything, he is acting slightly because that wasn't true did think it to his dad's funeral. and Originally, they laid it on. They had a comedian with him, didn't they? He was actually training with Arnie. And then the comedian actually said, no, you should just concentrate on Arnie. He is the, he is the star. He's someone who, who will work with in Hollywood. And, and the comedian who they used, he was doing all these stupid training scenes with Arnie. He gave the money back into the project and said, no, you can have my, my fee. Do it as a proper bodybuilding film. And that's how Arnie, obviously, we know he got the, this film Conan from that, but I think seeing Arnie as a fan, it's great to see the strides he makes because obviously he ends up going in Terminator and he says even less in that. And I know some of the stuff that he says in this film, they struggled with. With he had to rehearse his lines over and over again, the voice coaches and everything, and even some of the trailers they had to redo and overdub his voice because they couldn't understand what he was saying. So I think that loses it a bit. But when it comes to the fight stuff, I know I've gone off on a tangent, but when it goes to the fight stuff, you can literally see. Like the, the way they charge at him with the sword held high, and all they have to do is stab him in the stomach. There's loads of that. <laughs> they're like, like I am going to attack you, Pull up your you. It's like, well, why would you run at him with the sword above your head when you're like seven foot tall or something? It's just, fucking nonsense. But, like, but,
0: but, like watching a local theatre production, yeah, <laughs> Robin Hood but, or something.
2: Yeah, yeah, but what I would, say, yeah, yeah, that's true. What I would say though, Brett, is my, myself, and I don't know if you listen to our episode. We reviewed John Wick, three, and I know it got. I didn't because I haven't seen John Wick. and All oh, right. All right. Well, all right. I, I, I might kill. I didn't think much of it because the choreography fights are good. But when you've seen one Keanu Reeves choreographed fight, it's like that through the whole film. So even yeah. though we're talking 2019 and we're talking like 37 years later there's still films now that don't do it for me where you can literally see that it's like one man's waiting to go in after another and that's we you get and I think as well to, as much as I love Arnie I also think his size doesn't help him because he's only six foot or just under six foot he portrays himself six two he's not six two no. he might be in his, his cowboy boots and I know the fight at the start that was a basketball player who had to stoop down the the, um, the black guy he fights and I know that with Arnie he it was one of them things. He's just pure mass because he was a proper bodybuilder, but it could be because of his muscles. He might just have been too slow with the choreography as well because they can speed it up slightly, but he wields a sword really well, but he's not going to be doing it at, say, a Bruce Lee speed or even a Stallone speed because he's just got too much muscle.
3: Yeah, he's he's his whole life he's been training, well, since he's a young teen, he's been training to become as massive as possible. He's definitely not an athlete. Back then, bodybuilders were big. I can't imagine... Uh, a professional bodybuilder now trying to do some of this stuff because they just don't have the mobility. It's just not there. They can't, you know, they can't move like a stunt man would. I think
0: the big problem or the big challenge you've got with Arnie is that you've got no stuntman that's like him. So, if you think, you know, in the decades before and even during the eighties and that, you just, if you've got Burt Reynolds or someone, you know, just swap in a, a stunt man and he'll do the stunts for you. Right. And he'll make you look damn good on screen. With Arnie, he, he's got no stunt double because you can't have a stunt double for Arnie. And it, it was the same for, um, uh, the lady who plays Valeria, uh, Sandal Bergman, you know, so she actually got a finger sliced quite badly in one of the fights because again, she was so kind of big. You, you've got no equivalent stunt lady for her as well. So I, I guess that probably doesn't help just making it look authentic, but, um, yeah, i i tell you what I had forgotten though. I mean, when when they've got all the jewels and ransacked this place and they head off to King Osric uh, or they get captured rather after, um, this was after the whole camel scene and Conan and Superdive uh, and Valeria end up getting hammered and yeah. um, uh, they get taken off by Ming the Merciless. So I didn't, I didn't realize he was in this as well. So he basically says that, you know, his daughter has been taken by uh, Doom's cult and he kind of makes a deal with Conan to um, go and rescue her. But the other two aren't bothered, so he goes off by himself. Now, when he goes and, and he tries to blend in, I mean, fucking hell, Arnie is trying to blend in with all these priests and stuff. What did you make to that interaction with that first priest, Chris? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Bastard>. um,
1: <laughs>
2: um, I don't know, Dave. It's just not aged very well, I don't think. It's just... Uh,
0: what can you say? I, is it a tongue-in-cheek thing? I mean, he's definitely, he's fancying a bit of Arnie there, isn't he? You know, and being a priest, I, I don't know. Is this before or after all the scandals and what have you? It's, it, it was something, I i didn't remember this at all. I remember he'd he tried to blend in, you know, again, how, how is this man mounting going to blend in with a bunch of priests? But uh, I didn't remember quite how the priest was playing it.
2: Oh, yeah, he was he was worried a bit of the uh, the old Dave. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, think I think it was funny too though, that Arnie just like played right into it. It's just like, well, why don't we go over here? and try- yeah.
0: I'm ashamed of my body. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't know. It might be a way. I know it sounds daft, but sometimes it might be a way of making Arnie look weak because of his in the films. You know what I say? For when he does future roles, I don't know, or showing diversity in his role, because you wouldn't have got Stallone. I don't think doing something like that. <laughs> I, I
0: don't know. I mean, I, again, I I thought it was a it was it a little bit of comedy? I mean, there's there's smatterings of comedy, like you know, punching the camel. um, I mean, after after he gets captured, he, he's nailed to the tree, isn't he? He's crucified on this tree of woe, and ends up biting this vulture. You know, for me, I, I don't know if them things are like intentionally funny, or you know, it just comes across funny now. But you know, the bit with the priest, I I thought that was played up as a bit of like, you know, a bit of carry on. It's something that you'd expect seeing Cannonball Run or something like that
3: yeah I think a lot of the stuff uh, I think you're right and I think it's intentional I really do because at first I was thinking like man this is really dated this is really um, you know some of the acting is and then I compare it to other movies at the time and I'm like there was a a lot of great movies that came out in the early eighties like and I, I don't think they were unintentionally being funny you know what I mean like i don't I don't think they were doing yeah. it trying to be serious and we're looking back at it like oh that is ridiculous they thought they were you know being cool or or, uh being tough or whatever and it it comes off comedic i think it was intentional i it seems to me there's like the biting the bird like you said (laughs) that's ridiculous (laughs) i'm pretty sure it was ridiculous in 1982 as well
2: well it's funny because I know it came out afterwards, I'm just checking it before he even attempts to say this, but have any of you guys seen a Chuck Norris film called Missing in Action 2? Oh, that was one of his hundred or so
0: movies about Nam, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, he, he, well, wait a Brett, he played tonight, me, I, me and Dave have a proper thirst for martial arts stuff, and, and in the future, there's going to be some martial art crapness on this uh, podcast, definitely, because we loved some of that, but in Mission In Action 2, when Arnie did it, and obviously I'd never seen this, so I had no reference point, and obviously he gets the vulture. There's a scene where Chuck Norris gets captured by like, the Vietnamese army, and this um, colonel or general, and they're on like, this proper concentration camp, he puts a rat in a bag and puts it over Chuck Norris's head and gets the rat you know, allegedly to kill him. He oh, him. I remember that. Yeah, it's yeah, also yeah. Like, it's like a source of torture, but Chuck Norris being Colonel James Braddock, Bites the head of the rat off because he stops like moving around in his, his head and stuff. And it's one of them scenes that have always stuck me is like, that oh, is disgusting. And this is what I got the vibe from. And I'm wondering whether the missing in action used Conan as a bit of an influence. Uh, yeah. Because missing in action two come out in 85, just a little thing. And can I just go back to one thing as well, guys? Uh, Dave, don't ever slag Burt Reynolds off ever again because Burt Reynolds was a stuntman and he got injured on White Lightning, which he made, and he hurt his back, and he was a stuntman. That's how he got into films. But <laughs> everyone else would have stunt doubles, because Burt Reynolds always did most of his own stunts. Ah, uh,
0: there you go, a bit of trivia. So it was just the first, because we were talking about Cannonball Run uh, <laughs> the other day, He was just the first leading actor I could think of. So there you go. Uh,
2: Brett, as he's saying that, just to give it a bit of context, right in front of me, I've got a sign smoke in the Bandit picture. I've got a Trans Am, two Trans Ams to my right, Smoking a bandit on my desk at work i've got a picture of burt reynolds so that's why yeah, i'm saying don't ever I'm slag Bert. don't ever
3: slag burt reynolds off <laughs> <laughs> this a picture of burt reynolds on your desk at work <laughs> yeah yeah when, when he pops <laughs> away. i've got i've
2: got a picture of <laughs> last i've got a picture of las vegas has he desk. got his shirt off
0: is it one of those <laughs> pictures <laughs>
2: no it's a smoke it's a smoke it's in a, a bandit motorcycle. picture. No, no, he's, he's smoking a bandit one when he's got, smoking a bandit two, he's got his, uh, no, he's the first one, he's got his red shirt on and the Stetson, but I've got that. I've got a picture of Las Vegas in a frame and I've got an Elvis Presley little model there as well on my desk. So, um, yeah. So, but Bert Reynolds, Smoking the Bandit, I've got it all around my room where I am talking now, Brett. So, as soon as Dave started dissing Bert and the cannonball Run, it's all I
0: over. wasn't dissing Bert. I was just giving a, an example of leading actors or sort of, uh, shipping in stunt doubles. and And <laughs> it's usually the stunt doubles that make the action look pretty good. No, Boy, didn't, look, didn't it, sound, it sounds like I've touched a nerve there. This, so, Brett, this is just before Chris is about <laughs> to say, you know, Smokey and the Bandit was my favourite ever movie.
2: <laughs> like, it was the,
0: Rocky was my favourite ever movie. Back to the Future, my favourite ever. <laughs> <movie>. <laughs>
2: hey, it's not subjective. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm open to anything. But yeah, no. Anyway, let's move on. But yeah, <laughs> he, he can never slag Bert off to me. Now, I know you weren't slagging him off, Dave, but I thought, I've got to go back to that. You can't have Bert. No, nah, it's a
0: good bit of trivia. I didn't know that. Oh, it's good, that. Yeah,
2: yeah. He hurt his back badly, to be fair. That's why he ended up with a addiction to painkillers, Burt Reynolds, because he hurt his back. It's White Lightning when he played a guy called Gator McCluskey to do like moonshine and bootlegging around the sort of deep south of America. did two of them. Gator McCluskey and White Lightning, two great films. Sure. So, cool. um, uh, that's pretty bad, that, Brett, isn't it? I know that sort of thing, but... Um,
3: <laughs> classic, classic. We're it was, we're not as alike as I.
2: I,
0: I was just thinking, <laughs> as we've got the sound Burt Reynolds thing there, I'm thinking I'm sensing a divergence here.
3: No, no so, to, be honest, <laughs> uh, to be honest though, I, I have not. I have not seen Smokey and the Bandit. I've not seen um, a lot of Burt Reynolds films. So you never know. I might go watch them this week, and then
0: Chris is going to be emailing you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> start with the Longish
2: Yard. Me machine. As it was called in the UK, longest yard, then go off to White Lining, Game McCluskey, then you go Smoking the Bandit 1 was 77, Smoking the Bandit 2, Cannibal Run, Smoking, no, Smoking the Bandit 3 is rubbish, you're not in that, and Smoking the Bandit 2. And then you've got stuff like Stroker Race, is a bit of a crappy NASCAR film, which is pretty funny. Hooper is one of his best ones. He's got Roscoe out of Dukes of Azzardine as his mate. James I hope you're
0: writing all these down, Brett.
3: <laughs> i, I think just, i'll just google burt reynolds films I, uh yeah. no but really I, I haven't i've never cared to watch any burt reynolds films so you never know i might like them i mean you know, awesome. i like everything else you do so
2: yeah no we're gonna hopefully be reviewing one of these films soon aren't we david
0: <laughs> yeah so we were talking about smoking the bandit uh, so we're going to do No Retreat No Surrender for the next episode but I think it was a toss-up between that and Smoky and the Bandit so I, th- I think we'll be doing Smokey and the Bandit pretty soon
2: yeah good stuff sorry about that it's us go completely off segue there guys
0: <laughs> that's alright Speaking about, you know, liking all of the practical effects apart from, you know, James Earl Jones changing into a snake when you get him in the that big orgy kind of scene. I I thought one thing that was particularly bad I think was some of the early I don't you wouldn't even call it CGI, but when they basically try and bring Conan back to life Oh yeah, and you get all these spirits trying to take him up, and you know they're fighting off these spirits. I was like, "Oh, that's not aged well." Yeah, no, it, it was pretty bad. One of my favourite bits, I think, of this whole movie, I think, and, and it's like the early prototype for something like Commando or even Predator, is when you get Conan and Subedi there. They're making a last stand with uh, some of Dooms' henchmen. You know they're they're putting up all the little traps and everything, putting these stakes in the ground and and they're making this final stand and I I just love this little bit and I, again it, watching it now I'm thinking oh yeah I can I can see this repeated over in Arnie's movies later on
3: yeah the preparing for battle scenes
0: yeah yeah yeah
3: yeah it's almost like um it, it's almost like a training sequence in Rocky you know I had to bring Rocky into this. But like (laughs) a bit of a montage (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you watch a Rocky film, you expect that scene of like preparing for battle. And it's the same thing in all of the Arnold action films. Like there's always this, this scene with music laid over it, you know, where they're preparing, whether it's loading up guns, collecting ammunition, um, putting his vest on and belt with, you know, utility belt and boots and stuff. Yeah, it's iconic stuff. I
2: Commando, there, uh, Commando, Brett. You were saying there. I like it, John. Uh, John Matrix, classic, uh, and yeah. special classic. Well, you are right. I, I think to be fair to both of you, I know I've sort of really slated the film to a point, but I think the end bit's pretty good. I was I had a bit of a issue with the big guy he fights, the the main sort of henchman, where he he he, he did the thing with the sword above his head. Went, but when when they used the you like the eighteen when they used that wood sort of knife thing to stab him. That, that, that one of the henchmen, I thought that was pretty good. And the, the main fight was okay. There was a weird thing Arnie did when he was on the floor and the guy on, was on top of him and he did the sort of weird sort of body body popping and he ended up knocking a six foot eight guy over, which I thought was a bit unbelievable. But the actual way he sliced him open, that was great until the guy falls over and he went proper theatre, didn't he? He went proper Broadway and just sort of <laughs> put his hands in the air and just collapsed back. But yeah, I, I believed it. And the bit of the tension with James Earl Jones when he gets his sword, uh, gets the bow and arrow out, and he's going to kill. Is it his daughter who's the one who's sort of been chained up and stuff?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. the the king's daughter that they're trying to rescue.
2: Yeah, and that—that's all good. I, I, I didn't mind it at the end, and I, I think once you've watched it for so long, you invest in it slightly, as much as, like you are right, Brett. You watch it from a different eye. We've done this where we've watched films that we've loved, and then when you're actually reviewing it, you watch it again and go, "Ooh, you know, it's, it's not." And like, well, this is a whole point of the podcast as well. But it does—you do question a lot of things when you watch it. But yeah, I, I did quite enjoy it towards the end. I think what,
3: uh, one thing I noticed about about this movie, though that's different than a lot of movies you'd watch today, is it? Uh, there's a lot of different little storylines before you get to the end. Like, you've got all these different missions they go on. You've got this story, and then you almost don't know. Like, if you were watching it for the first time, you would think this was the climax. And then it's like, oh, wait, there's more. And then Then they've got another sequence where they regroup, and then they go fight another battle. Like, it's pretty crazy. Nowadays, it would just be like, you get beat down, you, you retrain yourself or prepare yourself and you go back and you defeat the, the main, you know, the big bad. But yeah, yeah. several back and forths. like first they go to the uh, Tower of Serpents, they go there and then they go on another mission. And then Conan gets strung up on the tree to be crucified. And then they go back once again, you know, all war painted up.
0: Yeah. And this this was actually a, a really cut down, simplified script as well. So they actually had Oliver Stone uh draft a script, but it would have cost a lot more. It was way more budget than anyone would have been willing to invest. And it had like, you know, fighting hordes of mutants and everything. So they really cut it all back. Uh, but it's still, you're right, it's, it's a bit convoluted. I, I don't think as a kid watching this, I, I really understood kind of what was going on. I just kind of lived from fight scene to fight scene. But yeah, I mean, uh, one of the other things as well, you know, it's absolutely brutal. When you get Conan, he he's, he stormed that uh, set at the end. You know, you've got James Earl Jones, he's trying to put the old snake hypnotism on him. And he just... He's too strong for it and ends up hacking off his head. When he's got that huge sword in in the air, he is actually you know bringing it down onto james earl jones's shoulder and and they practiced it over and over again and again, in Conan Unchained, you see Schwarzenegger talking about you know he he was quite impressed that James Earl Jones was willing to just stand there and let him sort of just swing this sword at his head because it it could have gone quite badly wrong uh, that is nuts
3: I know James Earl Jones, like I said, is one of my favorite parts about this movie he 's just a good actor in general i mean. Yeah, yeah, sitting there, man.
0: That's Darth Vader. It's it's pretty amazing. I mean, considering you've got this novice Arnie, you know, who who goes on to become this global sensation, but ultimately it's his first real acting role. And then you've got someone of James Earl Jones's caliber. That, that, that was an absolute masterstroke because that just gives it, you know, credibility straight away. And like you say, he does stand out a bit in the movie because of his, um, because of his acting. I, I just wish they'd kind of given him a, a different haircut. <laughs> you know, he bugged me as a kid and, and it still grates on me a bit now, but. One of the one of the henchmen I quite like. He appears in loads and loads of different things. He's one of Arnie's bodybuilding buddies, the Sven Ole Thorsen. Mm-hmm. So he's the one who, you know, he gets caught by the trap. He, he sort of wheels his hammer and uh, onto what he thinks is Conan's head, and then it's set off one of the traps. Um, but yeah, he he's just one of these guys, just. He goes around and bullies himself. He was in Gladiator as well. You know, bullies himself into uh, roles and stuff. And no, uh, he definitely, I don't really remember him so much as a kid, but on this rewatch, he he stood out for me.
3: Do you know who else was in this? Nope. Um, I I was looking up, just looking up the cast of it, and apparently Franco Colombo has a small part in the movie. And I couldn't spot him anywhere. Like I was trying to see it when I went through, but he plays like some random guard at one of the castles. So it was another one of Arnold's Arnold's old bodybuilding pals who actually does the same thing like you're talking about. Like ends up in all these movies with Arnold, like a uh, small parts. He was also in Terminator in a small part. Yeah, yeah, he was running around somewhere in this movie, and I couldn't find him. I was one wow. if you guys spotted him. I'm going to have to spot
2: that because Franco's his best mate. He still mm-hmm. goes to a uh, gold's gym with him now. They're both in the 70s. He's the one in pumping iron anyway from Italy and stuff. But to segue back to what I said last week as well, uh, Brett, He's he also trained Stallone for Rocky Three. So uh, Franco Colombo, absolute yeah. legend. He's, I think he's like a chiropractor now, a so sports physiotherapist, something like that. That's what he, he did after he retired from bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. He was like a, a PT to the stars. And then he would go into like, the physical... Therapy side, but yeah, Dave, Legend, Frank. I'll have to, I didn't know he was in Terminator. You've just done me there, Brett. I'm gonna have to watch that now.
0: All right. <laughs> yeah, Going Franco's spot in.
2: Yeah, says got me that.
0: So, guys, should we go into our final review?
1: Let's go. Let's go.
2: So, obviously, Brett, we have a five-point scoring system. And for anyone else listening, if this is your first episode of the VHS Strikes Back, please take note and you'll understand where we're coming from. So if the film's an absolute disaster, it's something we really, really don't want to watch ever again. We send it to Dan Tween, hopefully to get blown up by a Death Star. If it's still bad, but it's not horrendous, we send it to Elm Street. So if Freddy Krueger's around, it's good to Elm Street. If it's in the middle, middle of the road, not good, not bad, but you can still watch it, it's Hill Valley. If it's getting slightly better, it's not an absolute world-beater, but it's an enjoyable film. We send it to Pleasantville. And if it's top of the tree, best thing you've seen for a long time or just an absolute iconic film that you love, we send it to Cloud City. So for me, personally, watching it, you know, a 40-year-old, 2019, it didn't hit the spots. It gave me the Arnie chills watching Arnie because I absolutely love him. It's great to see his development and also see how he improves. I know we get slated for his accent, but in the end, his accent is what made him as much as his body did because it's just been ridiculed over and over, but he is in full-on Arnie mode. And I think when everyone sends him up, it's probably more for Conan than anything because it really is Arnie at his best sound effects wise. <laughs> anyway, it really is the the, the exaggerated special Effect, uh, the exaggerated send-ups of Arnie's accent are probably from this film, as I've just said. So, yeah, it, it was all right. There was a few good bits, a few pop culture bits of Arnie. The, the bit with the sword, when he's wielding it, doing the kata, as you mentioned, Brett, fantastic. So I'm probably never going to watch it again, I, I must admit. So I'm going to send it to Elm Street. It's not the worst thing I'm ever going to see, but it gets an extra point just for having Arnie in it. So
0: <laughs> Very good. Now, Brett, how about yourself?
3: Uh well, like I said I've seen this a, a lot of times before and but this is the first time I ever watched it as a critic, not just as a fan of Arnold. And um I this is a movie that I will watch probably again if I see it on TV and it's halfway through I'm probably going to finish it. Or if I see it on my 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 kids have never seen anything like I, I don't know if I'd let them watch it yet because as you said it's a little it's a little off color at times, <laughs> which I didn't really notice before. But God, it's kind of like what Chris said, like because of Arnold being in it, I always thought a little higher of the film. Um, but really, this is the first time I watched it with a real critical eye. And uh, it just wasn't that good. It really like the, the fight choreography. What I had to do when I was thinking of what I would score this is I looked up. Because I thought maybe it's just dated right? Maybe it's just, maybe it's just the product of its time. Mm -hmm. So I I looked up other movies that came out in 1982 and, uh, I compared it to these movies before I rated it. So in 1982, we got fast times at Ridgemont high. We got blade runner. The thing came out in 1982. ET came out in 1982. So there were just so many, like if you're comparing this to a blade runner, I'm sorry, it's 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 not even on the same list. So um, I have to send it to Elm Street, meaning it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, and I'll watch it again if it's on. But I probably won't seek it out again to watch on my own, like ever again for the rest of my life. So, uh, oh, wow, yeah, there, there was there was some uh, there are some uh, pop culture scenes like the the punching of the camel. Like anybody who's a fan of Arnie big fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger, knows that scene. And um, there was some crazy iconic stuff that happened in it. But overall, I, I really, I just didn't enjoy it that much. Really didn't.
0: Well, hopefully we haven't ruined it for you because you watched it lots and then you, you've you kind of watched it with this critical line. you're never going to watch it again. So sorry about that, Brett. <laughs>
3: no, no, no. I'll, like I said, I'll watch it if it's on. But um, this might be the last time I seek it out to watch it. I think I'm
0: with you in that You know, like Arnie, when he's having some sexy time with a witch, if it comes on and it's halfway through, then I'm still going to finish off. (laughs) So I think for me, I mean, I'm on on the call with these two massive Arnie fans. I'd probably i 'm going to rate it a little bit higher, I think I think it it 's a bit of a slog at two hours i don 't think it has to be two hours An hour and a half I think would be perfect for this. It is a little bit convoluted uh, on how he goes through that journey I think, but then, on the same respect, I think like the first act the pacing of it it does motor along like it goes from place to place, and you know very quickly you get Arnie going from you know, young kid being taught lessons by his father to uh Chief Gladiator. So and and then Freedom Roaming the World. So I, I think it motors on at the start and it meanders a bit a little bit in the middle. I think there's a lot of fun. Like you say, it's more kind of individual scenes, individual moments, the camel incident, the uh biting the uh, the neck of a vulture to keep himself alive I, I just think it's it's hilarious looking back so i think for me I, would i watch this again i i don't know because <laughs> we've got a huge backlog of other stuff or kind of out on time but i think i could well see myself going back and watching this whole movie again so for me i i think we're going to review a lot of better Arnie movies. Again, there's a long list. We're going to go. make sure we go through all the major Arnie, the Stallone, the Van Damme, and I think we'll see better Arnie movies than this. But for me, I'm going to put it right in the middle. I'm going to put it at Hill Valley. Stuff, Dave, stuff. Okay, so Brett, where can every everyone get you on the interwebs?
3: Well, uh, we have the Pod Shit Nerdcast, which is... As I said in the beginning of the podcast, it's it's everywhere except for Apple. So you can find us on Stitcher, Google, um, SoundCloud, even, like, all over the place. Uh, if you go on Facebook and just look up the Podshit Nerdcast, it should come right up. We post most of our episodes um, every two weeks. We try to do every two weeks. And um, sometimes I also post the episodes on my YouTube channel, which... That's another thing people can check out if they want to. Uh, I just I've been on YouTube since 2012. It started off as a fitness YouTube channel, and it ended up being uh, where now I just I review movies and, and share my comic book collection, and you know talk about TV series and all kinds of random pop culture stuff. Tell life stories. So uh, Podshit Nerdcast you can find basically on any podcast catcher except for iTunes. And then if you want to find me on YouTube, just search Brett Scott on YouTube.
0: Cool. Now, Chris, what about if someone wants to get in contact with us?
2: Yeah. If you want to get in contact with the show or give us a follow on social media on Twitter, it's at VHS strikes back. And if you want to email us, it's the VHS strikes back at gmail.com. And if you do like the show and you, interested in what we're doing please get on your podcast catcher and drop us a five-star review it just helps the show grow and gets us out there onto the podcast algorithms and hopefully we'll get out to more people and we'll get to be able to review more stuff in the future as well so uh, that's where we are now also we do have a couple of other shows that we do one of them is the Comics in Motion which Brett has mentioned before that's where we review comic book-based media tv and movies if you want to take a look that one if you just get on your podcast catch and put comments in motion in and you'll find our back catalog of 81 episodes now dave what else have we got
0: now if you do want something a little bit different chris and i both do a separate podcast on the reality tv shows love island now we do the uk version and we've just started as well doing the us version so these are daily podcasts and basically chris and myself just watch the show and then jump on the podcast and have a bunch of fun with it and take the mickey out of everyone basically so uh surprisingly quite a lot of fun it started out with chris and i just uh or chris being a super fan and me being an absolute love island hater and cynic um but chris actually managed to pull me in and and i hate myself for loving it but uh <laughs> i certainly do but yeah so if you like a bit of love island get yourself over to there and we're all on uh on all the major podcasts catching insights now thanks again brett it's been great to have you on the show we'll definitely have you on again it sounds like we've got a lot of the same love for a lot of the movies and and iconic actors as well that we'll be going through now chris you know what i'm gonna say yep how are you going to lead us
2: out? Well, after such a great <laughs> episode, big thanks to Brett. Big thanks to yourself, Dave. And Thank there's quite you, f- No problem, Brett. And there's quite a few times in this episode, I'm going to quote the great man himself. i was just wish I could get to the chopper uh, and get the fuck out of here when I was watching this. So we'll see you next time, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Goodbye.
2: That's it, man.
1: Sing A couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. Best mm-hmm. night. We came, we saw, we kicked it's ass. Wax on, wax off. Oh! Oh! Get to the One ring the death. All right. Ding you
3: won't. Go for it. Well, here we go. Uh, ain't so bad. Ain't so
1: bad. Ain't so bad. you must be crazy I'm crazy. You're just a stupid Yeah, you, you be stupid. stupid. You're crazy. I ain't breathing heavy. He's a fool. See you at crazy. Oh. i see you I